If you have your Bibles with you or you're turning to a Bible app, we're going to be looking, as we continue looking at um, the Suffering Servant passage, today we're looking at Isaiah 53, verses 10 and 11. First, I'd like to throw out a date. Let's see how many... Maybe this is a trivia question. Maybe this is just see how well you know American history. July 20th, 19... July 20th, 1969. Can anybody tell me what happened that day? What did I hear? Neil, I'm hearing it. Neil Armstrong, new, um, moon landing. Neil Armstrong on Apollo 11 stepped on the moon, and he said, and I quote, kind of, you're going to hear that maybe this isn't what he said, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The rest of his life, Neil Armstrong said, that's not actually what I said. He said, what I really said is one small step for a man, but the way that the, the audio feed came down, people couldn't hear the A, so we sort of quote him wrong, but even throughout his life, he always said, no, what I really said was this is one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. November 14th, that same year, something else happened. Yes, it was a day after my wife Regina's birthday, and that certainly was important, but there's something else that happened that day. That is when Apollo 12 lifted off. So now you have the first Apollo um, space shuttle that goes, and they, they have the moon landing, and now the second one has taken place. And then a few months later, now we come to April 11, 1970, and Apollo 13 lifts off. This is for the third moonwalk. Yes, I'm aware there is a movie about it. Has any of you seen the movie? Raise your hands if you've seen Apollo 13, the movie. Or as David used to call it when he was a little, Apollo 13, he said an F in it, the movie, but it is Apollo 13, the movie. It is about the third moonwalk that, of course, never happened. The background is that Jim Lovell, Ken Mattingly, and Fred Heiss were all scheduled to go on this Apollo ship, and Mattingly had been exposed, along with the others, to rubella, German measles. The problem, he had never been exposed before. He had had no vaccination. He had no immunity. So he was removed from the flight and replaced by Jack Swigert. Mattingly, of course, never did get sick, and that was all part of the confusion that happens in the Apollo 13 moon flight. Two days into the flight, the oxygen tanks were stirred. Now, there was a problem with the stirring of the oxygen tanks. That is that they were using Teflon, which hard for us to go back and imagine, but that probably at the time when they were putting, using Teflon in those oxygen tanks, they probably thought that was a good idea. Well, it wasn't because it ended up causing a fire and there was an explosion. And because of the explosion, it blew off a panel, and now there was a major problem. Whenever they tried to use the oxygen, the oxygen would flood into space. Yikes! Think about that. Get on a spaceship, and you've got oxygen. There's only one problem with it. Every time you try to turn it on so you get fresh oxygen in, it goes out into space, and you're in the middle of space. You're like, how long am I going to live? But you see, the oxygen was actually used for two things. It was used for breathing, which we all are aware of, but it was also used for power. They would mix and use the oxygen, and that would give them electricity. The flight was now on battery power. So put yourself in that little harmless situation. You're in the middle of space. You don't have oxygen. You have a battery that's going to run out. That sounds fun, huh? Anybody want to switch places with them? Any volunteers here this morning? I think not. 
a decision was made now to move the crew into the lunar module. And again, if you've seen the movie, it's really well depicted, but there was another problem. Does anybody remember the problem of going into the lunar module? You only, it was only built for two people, and there were three people. They didn't really want to send one of them out into space. So now you've got two people in the lunar module, and that created a new problem. Now they didn't have enough oxygen because it wasn't equipped for three people, only two. So now they had to come up with a CO2 scrubber, which, again, the movie does a nice job showing it. They get all this stuff. They're like, okay, all of these things we got to turn into a filter that's going to go into this round hole over here, which, of course, eventually they were able to do. The mission to the moon was aborted. The focus now became on getting everybody home. And, of course, during that, Ken Mattingly, who has now in the midst of a pretty tough thing himself because he never did get to go on the spaceship, now gets called in for sleepless nights. If you think it's hard to do a lock-in, imagine being Ken Mattingly. You now get to go into a flight simulator with the whole purpose of trying to figure out how to have enough battery power to get these guys back home. Nothing in it for himself. He spent day after day, sleepless nights, doing the work so that they could figure out how to have enough battery life to get these guys home. At one great moment in that whole experience, and Jim Lovell captures it in his book, and it also gets captured great in the movie, a flight director in Houston overhears two NASA engineers discussing the low survival chances. It's like, these guys are not going to live. And one of them says, I know the problems, Henry. This could be the worst disaster that NASA has ever experienced. Gene Krantz, the director, turns over and says, with all due respect, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Think of that when we go through tough times. Anybody here ever never go through a tough time? Do we have anybody here who life has just been perfect and you've never faced a struggle? Well, in the midst of the tough times, are we able to hear that voice and say, no, this is not a problem, this is not awful, this may be my finest hour. This may be the greatest thing that God has for me to do. Because guess what, folks? We do go through tough times. You see, perspective is everything in life. Do I get an amen? I'm going to say it again. Perspective is everything in life. It is. How we choose to view the things we go through will determine how we understand them, and even if we can get through them. Now, you may be going through something right now today. You might have come here to worship and thinking, well, I guess I should go to church, but I'm really, my mind is preoccupied with this. Or you may know somebody who's going through something. The truth is, how we look at it and how we view it and how we understand our ability to get through it makes all the difference. Now, this message is not about Apollo 13 or Apollo 11. It's about Jesus. And, of course, we know that Jesus had his finest hour. And that finest hour was on the cross. And that's what Isaiah is predicting in our passage we're reading from Isaiah 53 and the passage we're looking at today, verses 10 and 11. However, in the midst of Jesus on the cross... Let's be honest, folks, it was hard to have perspective. Amen? 
If you were there and it was your son being crucified, I don't think we would have all been sitting around and saying, what a great fine hour this is. And when we try to imagine what our Savior is going through, it's hard to imagine. In fact, at one point in the story of Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's just asking people to stay awake with him for one hour, and nobody's able to do it. That's why we have our 24-hour prayer vigil here. We invite people to say, you know, Jesus said it's important to stay awake for an hour and have prayer. And so it's our way of just remembering that even our Savior going through a tough time needed people to help him get perspective. Now, Paul later, the Apostle Paul, writes to the church in, in Colossians chapter 3, the church at Colossae, and he gives perspective on the cross, and he says this words. He says, Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Hear what he's saying? Good wins in the cross. But that didn't mean that that's what it felt like if you were there that day. The greatest thing that we understand as Christians, the thing that changes the world, the thing that makes us Christians and say our Savior went through it all to show that good overcomes evil at the time would have been grueling to go through for our Savior and we couldn't have comprehended it if we were there that day. You see, seeing our finest hour whether we're Jesus, whether we're disciples, whether we're Mary, the mother of Jesus, whether we're guys on a spaceship, it's hard to see in the moment. When you and I go through things, it's the same thing. When we're going through something tough, it's hard in the moment to say, you know, this is really my finest hour. Wow, this is awesome. I'm going to look back at today, and I'm going to realize, wow, I got through this. This is amazing. That's why our text in Isaiah 53, these two little verses, begin with these words. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Isaiah is saying, this awful thing that this servant goes through is his finest hour. But again, hear me, folks. That didn't mean that that's what was on Jesus' mind that day. He didn't wake up in the morning and say, wow, this is terrific. I get to save the world today. In fact, this is a very difficult verse for us to understand. To anyone who would have been there with Jesus in the moment, the suffering made no sense. Had we seen Jesus on the cross and had we been there, we probably would have run away too because we like to think as if there was all these people around him. There really weren't. There were people mocking him as he was going to the cross. And that's what they would do with criminals. That was an opportunity to say, look at how bad they are. And parents would stand there with their kids and say, live a good life because you don't want to be like those guys. But by the time our Savior gets to the cross, there's no people standing around saying, wow, this is an important thing taking place. He's alone and it's hard and it's hurtful. Disciples betray him. They run away. Paul talked about that. The Apostle Paul, in another letter, he said, look at how hard it is to get perspective. And as he's writing to the Corinthians, he said, you know, here's the problem. When we preach Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's nonsense. The Apostle Paul is saying, folks, let's be honest about the cross. It's hard to explain to people. It's hard to explain to somebody why pain and suffering can be a good thing because, listen, pain and suffering are not a good thing. 
I don't want to go through pain. Anybody wake up this morning and say, I want to go through something really painful today? That's not how we live our lives. And that's not how God wants us to live our lives. What Paul was trying to explain is to first century Jews, they were not looking for a criminal crucified on a cross. They were looking at saying, isn't there somebody here who can lead a revolt and kick the Romans out? And to Greek philosophers, they weren't looking at some guy who died in an electric chair. They were looking and saying, who's the next great philosopher who has some great idea? And so Paul says, even looking back at the cross and looking back at pain and suffering, it's hard to get perspective. It certainly would have been that day. But we know Jesus' suffering had a higher purpose. Suffering only makes sense when it has a higher purpose. I hope we hear that this morning. God doesn't just want us to go through tough things in life. God is not some sadistic God who says, I'm creating a bunch of human beings to see how they go through tough things in life, but we do go through tough things in life, and we do discover that there can be, and often is, and perspective helps us see it, a deeper and more important thing with stuff we go through. Amen? Hear that, folks? Sometimes the hard things we go through help somebody else because then they realize they can go through the same thing. I've learned over and over in life, I can't identify with people who have gone through certain things, but there are things I've gone through that I can identify with and I can be helpful of. I said that to myself many times when I gruelingly looked at the dad who I called daddy, and he had Alzheimer's. And I realized, well, at least one thing, at least I can identify with other people when they have their parents fade right in front of them. Perspective lets us see more. And that's what Isaiah is hoping ahead of time that we see about the cross, and that's how we look back on it, which got me thinking about another time in history. This was December 16th, 1944. And I only think about that day and only did more research and reading about it because I had a friend named Dick Leckberg. See, one of the privileges I've had as a pastor is over the years, because when I came into ministry, all those guys who served in World War II, they all got old, and I've done many of their funerals as a pastor from all the churches that I've served. And I started to realize how important these guys were, what amazing stuff they have gone through. David and I were there over in Kingston the last time I think I've probably will ever have a service for a World War II vet. And David turned to me and he goes, wow, did we realize what we just experienced? Because those guys did something that is unimaginable, and I've been the pastor of people who I've officiated at their funeral, and they were there D-Day plus three, which gets me to Dick Leckberg. I knew Dick had served in World War II, and one day I said to him, Dick, you like to tell me any of the things you did in, as a young man when you were serving our country faithfully? And he said, da, 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 and I served in the Battle of the Bulge. And da, da. I go, what? <laughs> he repeated and said, and I served in the Battle of the Bulge. Da, da. I said, stop, you served in the Battle of the Bulge? He goes, yeah, I did. December 16th, 1944, the Nazis had a surprise attack. 
It was their last great initiative, and this ultimately, folks, was going to determine the war, whether Hitler was going to win or whether the world was going to be liberated. Because, you see, Hitler wanted to take the port in Antwerp for the purpose of splitting Allied forces. So he took everything and threw it at those men and said, we are going to win this one big battle and change the tide of human history. The battle was in a dense forest between Belgium and Luxembourg. It lasted for 40 days. It ended on January 25th the next year. Here was my chance to talk to a real war hero and say, what was it like? What were you thinking? And Dick paused and said, not really anything. I didn't know it was that important until afterwards, and I got home and I found out it was such a big deal. We didn't realize how important the world that changed the, the, the battle that changed the world was until we look back on it. Let's give ourselves a break. Perspective, folks, is hard to go through and get when we're going through tough times. Do you hear that? When you and I are going through tough times and we get discouraged, we want to say, oh, there must be something wrong with me. Well, the people who were with Jesus had a hard time getting perspective, and my buddy Dick had a hard time getting perspective until looking back, but that was, and he would say also, his finest hour. Perspective on suffering and pain and difficult things comes from two things. One is time, like Dick, looking back. The other is by having somebody who can help give us perspective, like Gene Kranz with the Apollo 13 mission. That's why when you and I go through tough times and hear this carefully, we need to be careful who we're listening to. Hear me? When you are going through a tough time, who are you listening to? When you have a decision to make, when there's something that's hard in your life or in my life, are we just letting anybody breathe any kind of words into us? Because what we learn from Scripture about looking on the cross, it's tough to see, even for the Savior of the world, to realize what an amazing finest hour that is. It's tough for a group of guys who are up in space or people in Houston to realize how important what they're going through is. It was tough for guys on the Battle of the Bulge to realize the importance of what those days were. And folks, that's why it's important. We don't just want to wait for time and be able to look back at things. During the times when you and I go through struggles, let's make sure we have the people around us to help us get perspective. The thing is about our finest hour, just like with Jesus or with any time that suffering will make sense, it will bring a personal satisfaction, and that's okay. Sometimes people feel like they're being selfish. You know, Pastor Stan, I got through this and I did this, and I feel really good about it. Is that okay that I feel good? Absolutely. When we sacrifice and we go through tough times and we get through it, that's something to be celebrated. And celebration is an important part of our getting through the things that come our way. Listen to what it says about Jesus. When he sees all that's accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Don't miss those words. The prophet prophesies about the servant doing an amazing thing, 
and says the servant himself will be satisfied by what he does. That means that what we understand is just Jesus sacrificed. Yes, Jesus gave everything. Yes, Jesus, as we understand him, is truly God and truly human. But he also was able to say, I did it, folks. Had a satisfaction in doing it. Our Savior wasn't just a, oh, just torture me and do anything to me. It doesn't matter how I live my life. Because it does matter how we live. And we are asked to go through tough times and difficult things in life, but also to see that there is a benefit from us from living faithfully and getting through it. That's why on the cross, we celebrate the seven last words of Jesus. One of them is, it is finished. That wasn't a, oh, they got me, I'm destroyed. That was a victory cry. I accomplished it. I did what I was sent here to do, and I feel good about it. I'm okay, folks. I can go forward. We tell stories of Christians who have had the same thing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who they tried to humiliate as they were taking his life as a young man and a pastor who had opposed Hitler in Nazi Germany, and they came to end his life and hang him. And he said, one question. They said, sure. Could I have a minute to pray? And they said, sure. And he knelt down and he said the Lord's Prayer and he smiled and he said, I'm ready to go. You see, getting through tough things for a higher purpose will bring us satisfaction. This is how our pain intersects with our lives. God doesn't want you and me to just suffer in life. Hear that loud and clear. Because sometimes Christians make that mistake. Oh, it's my lot in life to suffer. Show me that in the Bible. Bible doesn't say that life should just be a terrible, horrible experience, but it does teach us that there are times we go through tough things for a greater purpose, and we're going to feel good about it. Again, I think about the Apollo 13. They, they came up with the CO2 scrubber, which meant now the landing module that wasn't able to hold three people was able to do it. They got the square and all those parts into a round hole. But that still wasn't mission accomplished. It wasn't until they ultimately came with that very last thing where the, the craft is going to set down in the ocean. And it took six minutes, but it was a minute and 47 seconds longer than it was supposed to. And everybody in Houston and all across the world watched that in shock and horror and thought, Oh no, they died at the very end. But now when the capsule splashes down, now it was time to be satisfied. We did it. It wasn't just getting through the tough things, it was getting to the end, getting them home, being able to move on with life, and guys like Jim Lovell being able to hug and kiss his wife and children. Let's trust as we go through times that the tough things that we go through, if we can start believing, you know, God's doing something great through this. Maybe I don't see it. Maybe I don't have the people who are talking truth into my life so I can see what's going to benefit in it. But let's realize we will have satisfaction by staying faithful, by staying true, by understanding that God will get us through everything. Because there's nothing that's going to come to any single one of us. And if there's anything I've learned as a pastor... I've seen Christians go through the most grueling things and they stay faithful and they're like, it's okay, Pastor Stan. I'm just keeping the faith and moving forward. 
My brother was a lot of things. He was a big brother who I could call, and he gave me good advice. He was a doctor. He was a dad. He was also the dad to one of my favorite people in the world, who's my nephew, Todd, who's here this morning, but I'll just embarrass him. I love him so much, we named our youngest son after him. But when I got to speak at my brother's funeral, I was just supposed to read a scripture, and I noticed they hadn't said something about my brother. He also was a runner, and he ran the Boston Marathon. That was a big deal. When he ran the Boston Marathon, he wanted to run it over under four hours, and he ran it in just over four hours. I think it was four hours and two minutes. So you know what he did? He trained again, and he re-ran the Boston Marathon. Now, please understand, my brother is also a doctor, so what happened at about mile 15 or 16, he knew exactly what had just happened. He suffered a stress fracture in his foot. Do you know what that meant? He kept going on a whole lot of pain. He ran that one 15 minutes faster and ran it in about 3 hours and 46 minutes. He had a goal he wanted to accomplish. He had excruciating pain. Now, do not, I asked him, I said, what happens if I ever have something like that happen? He goes, don't be like me. Stop. It's a stupid thing to do. You don't go run on a stress fracture. Why did he do it? Because he wanted something greater to bring personal satisfaction. He knew that that was his finest moment as a runner. It wasn't the time that he celebrated. It was the getting through the pain and the agony. When we go through tough times, it doesn't mean that everybody else is going to understand it. You may go through things and keep a smile on your face and people say, how can you do that? Because we understand that when we get through these things and God continues to lead us through, there is something in it for us. And that's good. That's how God gave us life. Like our Savior who accomplishes it all and takes personal satisfaction, take the joy and satisfaction of getting through the tough things that God is guiding you through in your life, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a broken foot and it doesn't have to be bringing a spaceship down to earth. We go through our stuff. Let's realize that God is getting it through us for a higher purpose and we will feel good about it. And that's a good part of what God's doing in our lives. But then there's one last thing about our finest hour, which goes right back to our Savior. It's really our finest hour when we endure and get through the way our Savior did, but in it, it benefits others. Let's never forget that. That is a huge part of our life, just like it's a huge part of our Savior's life. Isaiah put it this way in the last part of verse 11. Because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Yes, it was predicted that the suffering servant wouldn't just suffer something so that he could feel good about it, but he would realize there was a higher purpose that he was helping others. Aren't we thankful for our Savior who endured to the end and felt good about it and said, I've accomplished it, because it benefits us. Never miss that in your life. When you and I go through difficult things, it's just not for ourselves, it's also to benefit others, because that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a person who loves God and learns to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus' pain and suffering for others 
redeemed the world. The Apostle Paul, again, reflecting on it, said, you know, as in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. Jesus didn't just come and suffer on the cross for no purpose. He did it that we could have a place in God's family. And when you and I are going through our tough things, maybe it's so that we can show others they can go through a tough time. Maybe it's so that we can help someone else in our family who needs help. Maybe we're called to go through something grueling and we realize on the other end it allows us to, and you fill in the blank. Jack Gould reflected on the Apollo 13 space mission. And he wrote in the New York Times after it was all over, he said, Apollo 13 came so close to a tragic disaster that in all probability it united the world in mutual concern more fully than any successful moon landing could have ever done. You see, what he was saying is the self-sacrifice and the pain and all of that was worth it. Because it wasn't, in the end, just about getting to the moon. Jim Lovell never made it to the moon. But it served a higher purpose. Because go back and think what else is happening in 1970. We have a deeply divided world, and we're in the middle of the Cold War. And it was really hard to bring people together. You think it's hard to bring people together today? This is not the only time it's hard to get people to bring, come together. But that moon landing that ended up not being successful, with Jim Lovell never making it, Ken Mattingly having to go spend sleepless nights in a space simulator, and all the crew who are sitting on a capsule wondering, am I going to make it back to Earth? Their family's worried about them. The entire world fixated served a higher purpose that brought us all together. And it didn't solve world peace and anything like that, but in those moments, those great moments, we start realizing we all really do love and care about each other. And folks, we need those moments. And sometimes the suffering and the difficult things serve those kind of higher purposes. And I know our time is late. It's 11.46 and we're usually out of here, but I have one last story that I'd like to tell. <laughs> you know, here's what I've noticed. If you go to an uh, NFL game and it goes along, everybody says, wow, that was great. <laughs> uh -oh. We're here watching the Patriots, folks. We had a baby, his name was David, and it was a perfect pregnancy. Everything went perfect. It really did. We had our little setbacks and whatever. But in the end, I even remember the day they admitted Regina to the hospital, and I was like, oh, I was hoping for a Desi Arnaz Lucille Ball ending to this birth, and it ended up being that way because the baby was born a little bit later that day, early into the next morning. So it comes time for a second child, and you know, dummy me, God's, God blessed us. It was sunny on the day we got married. I remember saying, God must like me. Look at what a beautiful day. We have our first child. Everything goes well. I'm like, wow, God blesses us. And now everything went wrong. We were 25 weeks into the pregnancy, and Regina had preterm labor and was put on the couch. We were also told that at that time, I think it's changed now, the baby wasn't viable. Had the baby been born, there was nothing they could do. And I said, so you're going to be able to save 
our child, and the doctor said, no, we're actually not sure that we can. Those were gripping thoughts. And Regina checked into a hospital, and believe it or not, it was on David's birthday. Somebody said to me, you know, July 27th is a good day to have a baby, but you don't have to have all of them on the same day. Todd wasn't due until the middle of November. So now for months, I watched my wife go through stuff that nobody should go through. It was hard. It was painful. And it didn't get easier. And she laid on the couch, and we were worried, and then we got to the point where the baby was viable, and that was good. And in the end, it's now time to have the baby, and everything went wrong. And I'm not going to give you the details, but folks, everything went wrong. Right up to the moment when the baby was born, I still didn't know if he was going to be alive. And then when he was born, the cord wrapped around his neck a couple times, upside down, you name it, it all happened. He wasn't breathing, and they whisked him into the other room. And I watched my wife suffer, and it was hard. And it was hard for me to watch her go through it, but that's a tough thing. And they handed Todd to her, and she laughed, and she said, oh, it's all worth it. And I looked at her and go, what do you mean it's all worth it? <laughs> that little guy put you through hell, honey. And she goes, no, it was worth it. I'd do it all over again. Do you hear me, folks? We go through tough times, and we go through things. And our Savior loved you, and he'd do it all again. And we can get through the tough things. It's about perspective. We don't lose hope. We're Christians. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We realize whatever we're called to do, even if we don't have the perspective, we surround ourselves with people who give us a perspective and say, you can do it. You can get through this. And if we don't have those people, we pray to God and we say, Lord, give me perspective because I know that I'm going to feel good about this someday. I'm just not feeling good about it right now. But we also realize we go through tough things for others. So whatever you and I are facing, whatever we deal with, Absolutely, we know we have a Savior. He died on the cross to give us life and give us life everlasting, but he also showed us how to get through tough times. You hear that? Pain and suffering is not something God just wants us to go through because we're supposed to live a sadistic life. But let's go through the things that we go through as Christians, knowing that we can get through it, knowing that God will be with us, knowing that the things we may not know the higher purpose, like my friend Dick, we made you think it's another day, but we look back and we realize how important it is because God doesn't want you and me just to suffer, but he wants us to have the right perspective when we are suffering. And I hope as we continue and finish up our study of looking at the suffering servant, it gives us a perspective on pain in this world. Because so many times people go, I don't get it. I'm doing the best I can. I'm living a good life. I'm trusting God. Why did this happen? And as a good friend of mine said to me years ago, they killed Jesus, didn't they? What makes you think life's going to be easier for you? Let's learn to trust and know that whatever we face, even if we don't have the perspective at the time, that God is with us and will get us through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us trust you. 
Help us see how Jesus endured so much for our salvation, but also to help us get through the tough times in our life. Help us to realize that there are others who have endured so much, and whatever we are facing today or others are facing, or if life is good when we do face those tough times, help us to know that we're doing it for a purpose. Guide us and walk with us and watch over us. Thank you for time in worship today that went into overtime. And guide us and direct us this day. In Jesus' name we pray.